Wow, thank you for that great message. What a lead-in to follow up. I will not be shaken because of God's steadfast love. Graduates, congratulations again. You're going to hear that for the next few weeks, right? That's great. You, and mom and dad, you know, college or high school, congratulations to you. You're still living together and surviving together through those tough times. The way on faithfulness is hard. That sounds like a kind of a down and out sermon title for a baccalaureate message. But, you know, we learn things from the positive side. Do life this way, and then there's a negative, but don't do it like that. And that's one of these sermons. We get to compare Saul and David, and that's what God's doing in 1 Samuel. We've been studying the lives of Samuel and Eli and Samuel and Saul, and now it's Saul, King Saul, and soon-to-be King David. And we get to compare their lives because God wants us to see how to live the right way and what, what to do and what not to do. Saul is Proverbs 13 lived out. Proverbs 13, I'll read just a few verses starting at verse 13. Whoever despises the word brings destruction on himself, but he who reveres the commandment will be rewarded. The teaching of the wise is a fountain of life, the one that... That one may turn away from the snares of death. Good sense wins favor, but the way of the treacherous is their ruin. Or as the NIV, New International Version says, the way of unfaithfulness is hard. And King David, or David, is the exact picture of, of a fruitful life. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you abide in me, Jesus says, then you will bear much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing. And if you are apart from God, if a branch is cut off, it begins to wither. So we can either be fruitful by abiding in Christ or in God and God, or we can begin to wither. And David is a picture of fruitfulness abiding and Saul is a picture of of being cut off, and his life begins to wither. So with that introduction, let's read just a few verses from 1 Samuel. I'm going to be beginning in chapter 17, starting at verse 57. So please turn with, there, with me in your Bibles, or if you have it on your phone, you're allowed to use that to look at the Bible, okay? Verse 57 of 17, 1 Samuel 17. And as soon as David returned from the striking down of the Philistine, that is Goliath, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. And Saul said to him, whose son are you, young man? And David answered, I am the son of your servant Jesse, the Bethlehemite. And as soon as they had finished speaking to Saul, the Saul The soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him so that Saul set him over the men of war. And this was good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. 
And as they were coming home, when David returned from striking down the Philistine, the women came out from all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines and with songs of joy, with musical instruments. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated. Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very angry, and this saying displeased him. He said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have, have ascribed thousands. What more can he have but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day on. Let's pray together. Lord God, we ask you today to just take a moment and quiet our hearts, Spirit of God, so we hear what we need to hear individually, Lord, each person here, may they hear your word spoken to them today. Make it real to us together as a body, as friends in Christ, as followers of his. Bring us to yourself, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to take just a few moments to take a look at David's life today. Belief in God and fruitfulness, they go together. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. And we see this with David. I didn't read verse 55, but as, as soon as David had, was going out to face uh, Goliath with his sling and his stones, it says Saul turned to Abner, his, his, uh, his uh, general, and said, who is this guy? And it's like, well, Saul, he's been playing the harp for you when you've been your spirit's been troubled why don't you know him but you know it's one of those things where he was noticing David in a new light you know you you think you know me and we, I might know you by name and a little bit about you but we really don't know one another so when we see one another in different contexts we begin to say who is this guy or who is this woman uh, tell me more about their background who are you because I didn't realize you were like that or could do that or Whatever. Well, that's what was happening here. But what I want to point out here is that David's courage to go face Goliath drew attention, not just to David, but it drew attention to David's faith. It gave glory to God. And when we believe and follow and obey, when we abide in Christ, that's what's going to happen. People are going to begin to look at us and say, where did you get this courage? What do you really believe? And they may not like it, but they're going to notice it because we're being courageous in God's name. Remember the disciples? They're afraid, hiding when Jesus was crucified, dead and buried. He was resurrected and ascended. And then the spirit came and they were changed. And people took notice, like, these guys were hiding out, and we thought we were going to put them down, but now they're out there publicly preaching, and they're doing supernatural things, and people are getting healed. What's going on? You see, they took note that they had been with Jesus. Are you abiding in Jesus? Does anybody notice you've been abiding with Jesus? spending time with him, getting energy and strength from him because belief and fruitfulness brings glory to God. And that's what was happening with David. And that's why Saul, who had been afraid, now sees this young man with no armor, no sword, but just the sling and stones going and defeating God's adversary. And it's like, whoa. No wonder Saul wanted him in his camp and wouldn't let him go home. I want a guy like that. 
I, I want a friend like that. How about you? <laughs> yeah. Jonathan, his faith, you see, it was David's faith abiding with God, with Christ, a picture for us. Jonathan's faith empowered him to move with God. He was moving with God. You remember Jonathan was a guy who said to his armor bearer, you know, let's see what God wants us to do. If, if, if this happens, if they say, come up here, the Philistines, you know, we're going to go up there and God's going to take care of us by many or by few. And, and two, two men took care of 20 Philistine enemy soldiers in half an acre. And it's like, wow. So no wonder Jonathan and David's souls were knit together because they were both following, abiding, and following the Spirit of God. Kindred spirits because they were in step with the Spirit. And the giving away of his tunic this is the heir apparent, and what he's doing is saying, David, I recognize that you are the next king. Jonathan was the next in line to be king after Saul, but he, he gave him his tunic, his robe. He gave him his sword. He gave him his bow. It was like this incredible gift saying, I recognize that God has a plan for you, and I will submit to God's plan over my personal will. I will surrender to God's will. That's an amazing thing, and that's something that happens when we're abiding in Christ. Can I ask it again? Are you abiding in Christ? Are you willing to surrender and submit to his will? We all wrestle with it. Let's be honest. We don't give in. But when we do, we find great things happen. Love puts others' interests first. It's the way of God. It's the way of Christ. That's why he came and died for our sins. And this friendship between Jonathan and David was going to cost Jonathan a lot, but he was willing to surrender to Christ, to, to, or excuse me, to God's plan. Jesus wasn't on the scene yet. But for us, it's surrendering to Christ. It's going to cost you sometimes to follow Jesus. Are you willing to make that step, though? To surrender your will and your ways and the things you'd like to have, even closeness to family and friends because the relationship with Christ and God's will is more important. Let me ask you this today. Are you abiding in Christ and could you, like Jonathan, give up your royal robe and surrendering to God's will? Would you do it? It's worth it. And David received a lot of favor from the people because he was following God. Let me just do a disclaimer. When you follow God and, and people like you, that's a rare thing. Because Jesus was following God the Father's will perfectly. And people despised him. So it's not always going to be easy. And when people do like you a lot and you're getting along with them and you're even being blessed physically uh, by physical blessings, that doesn't mean you're in step with God. It just might mean you're in step with the world. But God was with David. And I want you to know that God's love is deep for those he calls and those who believe. So this morning, know that you can stand steadfast because God's love is deep for you if you haven't entrusted yourself to God. I'm the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. And do you know Jesus is inviting you into a life that bears much fruit for God's glory? You might not even get to see it all. 
but do you believe it's true? Would you entrust yourself to him that he wants you to bear much fruit? Are you abiding in Christ? God offers a way for us to be restored to him. Listen to these verses from 1 John. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him, that is God, to be a liar and his word is not in us. So God offers us a way to be restored to a saving relationship so that we can abide in Christ. And the first thing is that we admit that we have sin. If we say we have no sin, well, then we're making God out to be a liar because God says we do have sin. So we need to confess our sins, admit that our iniquities and our rebellious attitudes toward God are there. And then we need to confess our sins. And then it says that Jesus is our advocate, that he will forgive us our sins. He's just. How can God forgive me my sins when I am guilty of sinning? Well, we know, well, I hope you know that Jesus died for those sins. So he covered those sins. He's the propitiation, which means the satisfaction for our sins. He covered them. Atonement means covering. He atoned for our sins. He makes the way for us to be back to God. Have you believed that? Have you come to an abiding relationship with Christ? You see, Jesus and the righteous for the unrighteous. He died for us. He's, the only, he's not only the propitiation for our sins, but for, for the sins of the whole world. God can forgive us because Christ died. Is this what you believe this morning? Well, then follow the Savior and surrender to him. That's David's life. That's Jonathan's life. But in comparison, we have Saul. And we see that Saul's jealous. We read a few verses there where they're singing songs to David. And, and they mentioned Saul first. So they gave him number one spot and said, Saul, you've killed your thousands. And it was just a poetic thing. You know, David's killed his ten thousands and Saul immediately gets jealous. You know what that is evidence of? It's evidence that he wasn't filled with God the Spirit, but he was filled with the spirit of the world. The spirit of the devil. David's life is a picture of a fruitful branch, and Saul's life is the perfect picture of unbelief of a withering branch. And the tragedy of Saul is that God has invited him into a relationship with him, to abide with him, to trust and obey him, but he refuses it. He resisted. So Saul gets jealous. And the Spirit of God does not stir up jealousy or envy, but it stirs up peace and contentment. A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. That's Proverbs 14.30. You ever have envy, envious thoughts? I never do. There's house envy. There's car envy. There's husband or wife envy. There's your look, life looks a lot easier than mine envy. There's all kinds of envy, things that, that others have that we think we deserve or we really crave. Jealousy is when we have something, but we should give it away, but we, we keep it. And that's what Saul was doing. He was jealous for his position at, as king, but it was God's position to give and to take away. And he wasn't willing to let go. That's jealousy. 
but envy is like David's keeps rising and I keep going down and Saul was withering. And if you're always envying, then you're withering and you're separated from the Spirit of God. You're not in step with the Spirit of God because God's Spirit does not create envy and jealousy. It creates contentment and love and honoring one another. So Saul's jealousy not only caused him problems and it began to rot his bones. His life was withering away. He got murderous thoughts. And in verses 10 through 27, we don't have time to look at it all to this morning, but uh, Saul knew God wanted to give the kingdom to another. He didn't know it was David yet, but it's going to become clear pretty soon. But he's beginning to think, this guy's my competition. I'm never going to give up my kingdom over my dead body. Well, you know what it was going to be over his dead body. But he was trying to hold on to something, and it went from, I hope things go badly for David, like he gets wounded bad in, in, in battle, you know, like loses an arm or a leg, then his rise to fame will go down, to murderous thoughts. I'll pin him to the wall with my spear. I'll get rid of him. The spirit of the world of hatred. David had a harp in his hand. And saw a spear. It's a picture of things. Sent David away to get him out of the king's house so that maybe David wouldn't be so popular among the men, but that didn't work. You know, rats. <laughs> David keeps winning. He sent him away into battle to put him in danger. I won't kill him, I'll let the Philistines kill him. It's kind of interesting that David used the same plot years later to get rid of the husband of the wife who he committed adultery with. Wow, think about that. Son-in-law angle. I'll let him marry one of my daughters. I mean, he owed him a, a wife because he killed Goliath. So there was the two daughters, Merib he didn't want, but then he took Michael. So 200 Philistine foreskins, the bride price, Maybe he'll get killed doing that. Well, it didn't work out. Let me ask you this this morning. Do you have a harp or a spear in your hand when you meet certain people? You, you know what people I'm talking about. The people that grate you the wrong way, that you don't get along with. Do you have a harp or a spear in your hand? What does Jesus say about interacting with our enemies? Get even with them, give them what they deserve, or resist evil and pay it back with good. Give them food and water. Enough of that sermon. Somebody said that agitation is a setting on the washing machine. And if my life is always in the agitation cycle, then you need to check out if you're resisting God's will for your life. Now, sometimes your life might be in agitation because you are following God's will. I mean, just talk to Jesus about that. We've mentioned that. It wasn't all pretty and easy as he did his Father's will. But we do know that Jesus said, if your life is being agitated because you're obeying and following and abiding with me, then you are in a place of blessing and there's going to be unspeakable joy ahead. 
But what we're learning from Saul and David is turn away from resisting God. Don't be like Saul. Good sense wins favor, but the way of the treacherous or the way of the unfaithful is hard. Unfaithful to God, unfaithful to your friends, unfaithful to your promises because you're looking at God, not at God, but yourself. My people have committed two sins, Jeremiah the prophet said. They have forsaken me and they've dug the spring of living water and they have dug their own cisterns that cannot hold water. And Saul did this. He turned his back on his God and went his own way. And he began to dig his own cisterns, leaky cisterns that could not hold water, but he was entrusting himself to his own power and might, and he was withering on the vine. Surrender to the Lord. Let's just read verses 28 through 30, the end of chapter 18. But when Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David and that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him. Saul was even more afraid of David, so Saul was David's enemy continually. Then the commanders of the Philistines came out to battle, and as often as they came out, David had more success than all the servants of Saul, so that his name was highly esteemed. (laughs) Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Do you know Jesus desires nothing more than for you to know his forgiving mercy and to be fruitful and to have a life that bears fruit for God's glory? That's his deepest desire for us, and Saul was rejecting it. Jesus died to make a way for us to know God's purposes and his plans. Graduates, never leave or forsake this God who's made you. Follow your creator. He loves you. He's died for you. He's given you life. You know, we're all graduates. We've all commenced from last week to this week, (laughs) okay? So we've graduated. Start fresh. We're commencing on with our God. Make a fresh step. If it's been a bad week, determined by God's grace and his goodness to step forward into something better as you abide with Christ. You see, Saul's an Ichabod figure. Ichabod means the glory has departed. And the glory of God had departed from his life. He had turned his back on God and God let him go his own way. And his life was just falling apart. And David's an Emmanuel picture. Emmanuel means God with us. And everywhere David went, he seemed to succeed because God was with him. David didn't earn it. It's just something when we believe by faith, God blesses us. So there's these two pictures. It's a principle of reverse returns. You know Wiley Coyote and Roadrunner. No matter what Coyote does, Wiley does, he never beats or defeats. The Roadrunner always comes out on top. Well, that's the way it was in Saul and David's relationship. No matter what Saul did, reverse returns, I'm going to put him down. David just kept rising. And that's when you're fighting against God. That's the way life is. You're never going to outsmart God. You're never going to outdo God. So go ahead and live these 70 or 90 years, whatever God gives you, and go your own way and do your own thing and ignore God, but you will lose. It's like winning eight and a half innings of the ball game and losing it in the bottom of the ninth. And I want you to know God's going to win at the bottom of the ninth. It's not worth winning eight and a half innings and losing for eternity. Surrender to God. 
The Pharisees sent Jesus to the cross. Reverse returns. We're going to put this movement down. We're going to kill this guy, and his disciples are going to scatter. We'll do away with them, and it's all going to fall apart. We've done this before. We've gotten rid of rabble-rousers and people who were uh, going after our political power and religious power, so we'll put it down. They were fighting against God, and they lost. Don't do that. Don't make that mistake. God turned the weakness and shame of the cross into the most glorious way of redemption and salvation in all the world. God wins. What have you decided about Jesus? What will you do today? Will you abide, seek abiding, or turn away and go your own way? Will you be in step with God like David or out of step like Saul. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for the one who, who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let's pray. Lord God, our Father in heaven, Jesus, Lord of all, Speak to everyone's heart here today. Assure us of your salvation. Strengthen us so we believe and follow and abide with you. Draw us near. Lord, if there's a heart here today that's unsettled, who doesn't know your peace, who's living an agitated life, Lord, bless them. Stir their hearts to seek you out, to know you, to speak with someone. Lord, we invite them to come. You invite them to come. Lord, let us come into your presence and know you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.